What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Freaking Current. We just tried to start recording, got a little bit into it, and it crashed. So here we are again, just dealing with these technical <laughs> difficulties. We are, as far as podcasting goes, we are in, we're way behind. We, I started with a nice fat setup and slowly just trickled down to just the simplicity of it. So I apologize that our audio is not always perfect, that our video quality is not as good as it can be. But what we're trying to do is just bring y'all good weekly content that hopefully you're learning something from. So um, if you're okay with our crappy quality, say something in the comments. Say, hey, we don't care. We just like the content. Uh, boost our morale because right now I'm feeling defeated. But today we're going to talk about summer trout fishing. Um, we're going to have a really good summer here in North Carolina. I know South Carolina is as well. Virginia, um, lots of fish around, really good water quality this year, a little bit less rain. So the salinity level is, is really nice for these fish to stick around um, in these more Southern states on the East coast, as well as make their migrations up into the Chesapeake Bay and spawn and do all that stuff. Uh, I guess, I don't even know if they spawn it there, but I think they do spawn up in the Chesapeake Bay, but um, we got a bunch of fat females around right now. Um, some big males and it's just a really good time to get out there and trout fish. It really rounds out your day nicely when you can go redfish on the tides. It's not great for redfish. You can go target flounder and trout. Um, so we're going to share with y'all how to locate the spots that these fish like to hang out at in the summer, um, as well as some of the tackle and tactics that we like to use to target these fish and to catch these fish. Um, before we get into it, I want to thank Marshware and Aftco, two great clothing companies um, that are big supporters of this show, as well as I Strike Fishing. Um, and I am going to say, because it's the time of year of the Texas Eye, that uh, if you have not fished the Eye Strike Texas Eye, definitely need to pick some up. Really, really awesome baits for, for targeting redfish, whether you're sight fishing or blind casting. Um, just a really good presentation. If you slow roll the bait or swim the bait back in, really good presentation. Jigging it works really, really well with a lot of Z-mans. Uh, one thing I'm going to be fishing more of this year is a lot of the creature baits on that Texas Eye when I'm actually sight fishing redfish. Uh, those creature baits just have really good action. Um, with very little movement of the rod tip and, and the redfish do like to eat them. I think they oftentimes think they're a shrimp or a crab. Whew, I'm out of breath. I'm just talking, talking. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Marshware, AFCO, iStrike, check them out. Um, great dudes. And uh, I'm going to bring on Cameron here so I can get a breath. What's up, man? Not too much. Oh, I'm not even going to ask you all the questions I asked the first time through. We're just going to get right <laughs> into the meat of it. How has your fishing been so far this summer? Spring, it's summer. been pretty good. Um, I'd say that the trout has been better uh, than I can remember, in the, at least in the past few years. And um, it's kind of interesting because the first couple of years of fishing, I'd say I was mostly um, mostly targeting redfish like year round. Yeah. And then as um, not getting burned out on them, but just trying to like uh, expand my knowledge of the inshore fishery and what else can you catch in certain seasons and whatnot. Um, the the summer trout is actually something that's like pretty uh, can produce. Yeah, and definitely. I think it depends year to year, right? Like you said, it's been kind of a crazy spring, uh, like barely any rain. I think we're borderline in a drought. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, those like brackish water areas um, have to, have always tended to be better for me in the summer. Um, not so much like the clear water areas for. I'm sure they're they're there, but I just I haven't ever had that much luck in the clear water for them like I do in the fall. Yeah. Um, but the red fishing has been you know kind of that transition period. 
like we've we've talked about this before it can be a little frustrating this time of year just because all those schools have broken up and um some some days they'll be in the same spot uh that they were the day before and you get back there you know a week later or a few days later and there's not redfish to be seen and um the topwater bite has at least in in a lot of the spots that um have produced for me in the past have been kind of slow for topwater so I'm, I'm hoping that those will turn on soon or i need to start doing some exploring <laughs> <laughs> i know it might be the year that makes us change up all our patterns but i do like when it's different each year because especially with the different seasons act different than the year before because it, it helps me learn new stuff learn new spots learn new techniques and areas and um, I think that's what's really cool year after year. I think I, I would challenge every angler out there that listens to this podcast to like starting right now, going into the summer, pick either a new technique or a new fish that you really want to try to get better at this year and spend a lot of your time doing that. Something that's very different. It makes you a little uncomfortable that you're not as confident in um, and, and, and spend a little bit of time each time you're on the water trying that, whether it's, you know, like you usually just go redfish in the summer, go try targeting trout and flounder for an hour or two hours out of your trip. Or, you know, if you, if you don't do much topwater fishing, pick that topwater up in the morning and don't mm-hmm. put it down for the first hour and a half of the, of the trip. And, um, you know, just push yourself. It's so easy to fall into these same patterns of fishing for the same fish in the same areas time after time because you're confident about it. And, and, and you're going to have some, some skunk days. You're going to have some hard days when you push yourself to try new stuff. But um, as you start to put new pieces together, it's just going to make you better angler. It's going to give you more spots in your back pocket, you know, more techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that we every angler can do every season, every year um, to become better is, is just pushing themselves to try new stuff. I mean, that's with anything in life. Like it's so easy to just yeah. get into a pattern yeah. and get comfortable and not not pick something new up. Uh, like I got my wife for her birthday a surfboard and she hated it because <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted her to learn to surf. And I was like, oh, we can surf together. You know, that's what we'll start doing. I used to surf a bunch. And she, she <laughs> I think it gave her serious anxiety for a little bit she's like i don't want to have to learn how to surf i'm comfortable doing what i do already do um but it's good to learn new things and to challenge yourself in life as well as in your fishing so um but yeah it's one way that i always look at it is like typically in the spring and summer if my grass or what i would call what i call grass what most people would call weeds is green you know the water quality in our in our Mm -hmm. brackish estuaries is probably kind of off but if it's brown like it is right now then it's probably you know good salinity level in the river and um in the coastal rivers that we have around here and it's pretty brown so uh, yeah. I, i've been mind blown at how well i can see way up the cape river right now like seeing bottom yeah. and, and two feet of water which is yeah. never i mean above snow's cut i mean a lot of y'all listening don't know where we're talking about but um i mean you can see bottom and two feet of water um above snow's cut which is just crazy um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about, about summertime trout fishing, uh, today. And I think the first kind of thing to talk about is like where to start, you know, we'll get into lures, but, but what do you look for when you're looking for a trout spot in the summertime? Um, and how does that vary from, from where they are in the fall or does it very much from where they are in the fall? Um, do you want to start with that camera? Do you want me to tackle it start it off? Yeah, no, I, I'll, uh... I'll take a swing at it, cool. and then you can clean me up. Um, clean I do up. want to mention, I can't hear you, like, super well. I don't know if your mic is coming through your earphones or through that mic you have hooked up. It is coming through this mic I have hooked up. Can you hear me better now? 
Yeah, a little bit better now. Okay, sweet. Hopefully the podcast recording got my audio decent. I kind of had it off to the side of my body a little bit. I probably should have it out here in front of me. Um, yeah, it sounds a little bit better. Okay, cool. Um, I'd say probably one of the best tools, um, big surprise because we've talked about it a lot, is Google Google Maps or yeah. Google Earth. And trying to identify some deeper water sections and I think when I when I say like deeper water sections, more so like sloughs, right? With yeah. like, and then it, those sloughs, you almost have to go there to to check them out and see how the water flows through there. Is there um, current seams? Is there eddies? You know, it's kind of hard to tell, like that aspect of it from Google Maps. Um, but what I would, what I've done in in something that's been productive for me in the past is just identifying like a handful of those spots on Google Maps just and you can tell you know the water's a little bit darker it might be on the edge of shallower water um, but somewhere that the trout are gonna hold and wait for bait to just flush past them and then you're looking for those eddies and current seams just because that's generally where trout are going to use as like ambush points right because right. bait's going to get pushed through there it's going the bait's going to get either confused or kind of dispersed due to the current or the structure or what have you and making it fairly easy prey for for a trap but um you know stuff like little islands oyster bars um but i definitely wouldn't say like super shallow stuff uh, at least in my experience, I think you can catch some trout in the shallows if you're topwater fishing or something like that, you know? Right, right. Um, but I think the the most numbers for me in the past have always come from some sort of slough with, with some structure in it. No, for sure. Um, I would agree with that 100%. Um, and I think what you were saying about Google Earth, too, while you were talking, I pulled it up. Can you hear me better now? Uh, it sounds about the same. About the same. Okay. Well, hopefully the the, yeah. the recording. Do you have the volume turned on on your computer? Um, it's about halfway. halfway. I'll turn it up. Um, but Google Earth is such a great, great tool for um, for scouting and, and learning how to use it. I mean, it can be very intimidating to look at it at first. And I think what you got to do is kind of have some areas that are productive. Go look at those areas on Google Earth. Um, you know, somewhere where you've caught trout or caught redfish and see like what that looks like from a from an aerial view um, and then go try to replicate that in new areas one of the best yeah, things that exactly. someone's ever oh, oh sorry what were you saying i was just agreeing with you that's like uh, one of the points that i meant to say but forgot is find looking at spots that you've caught them before and trying to find something that looks very similar via sure. google maps um i'm trying to remember how to do this View status show navigation. Um, so there's a way, and it always takes me a second to find it because I don't do it all the time, to, to change the year of the photo. Um, oh, it's down. So the bottom left corner of the image, um, it'll have a, a number. Um, it says 1985 here, which I know that's not when this image was taken. But if you click that number at the bottom left hand corner of the image, the you can scroll through the different years. Um, mm -hmm. And different years will be taken at different tides, at different, you know, water clarities. Um, 
different part, parts of the year. And so you can kind of scroll through that and get images at low tide, get images at high tide. And so when I'm looking for trout spots, a lot of times I'll scroll around until I find a year that's got good clean water. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then I can zoom in and I want a higher water. And a lot of times you can see those seams and those rips coming off of areas. Like I'm scrolling through an area right now that me and Cameron fish a good bit. Uh, and there are decent, um, very visible, checking this volume here, decent, very visible rips coming off some of the points. And it, it takes a second scrolling around through those years trying to pick out where, um, where those rips are, but you can see them coming off the points. And so that's just a really good tool I've used, as well as like trying to locate oyster bars or, you know, subsurface mm -hmm. structure uh, that's in shallow water. If you scroll around through the years at different tides uh, or hoping for, you know, different tides, like it, it's mind blowing as I'm scrolling through it right now, the difference in the image qualities, like, and some you'll yeah. get to a newer year and sometimes it's worse than like the year before. Right. Um, and some areas are, are better pictures at different times, but you can definitely see the rips well on some of these um, and see yeah, some of the oyster like bars. Some of those pictures could have been taken at different tides or, you know, on a super windy day and when it's a little bit harder to see. So going sure. through the years, like you said, is definitely um, beneficial to, to getting a better idea. And then kind of on the same subject as, um, as Google Maps and something that I haven't have, still don't have, but just ordered one is one of those Navionics chips. Yeah, the Platinum Plus. The Platinum Plus because it gives you a satellite overlay, um, which I think is, I never really realized like how beneficial it could be until I've been on people like your, your boat and Jeff's boat who has one. And I mean, you talk about like, going fishing early in the morning which is generally you know when you want to go for trout uh especially in the warmer months um like if you're running out and it's like not super light out or it's low light conditions being able to see like the channels and whatnot to run through is super helpful one 100%. and then two it, it's like google maps while you're on the water you know because your phone like I've, I've tried to pull out my phone while fishing and being like all right, I'm out of spots. Like, let me look at Google Maps and see if I can find anything that looks similar to you know what where we were catching fish earlier. And uh, it's not super easy to see like when you're out no. on the boat. It's and it's so tough in the sun. It is, it, but I feel like those GPS screens just get so bright enough that you can uh, you can kind of figure your way through finding some some other types of stuff that you want to fish. So. For sure. Um, I would agree with that too. Another great tool. I know we're not necessarily, this is just as important as anything trout fishing we're talking about, cause this is going to help you with your trout fishing, but, um, Navionics has an app. I think it's 14 bucks for the year, um, that you can save spots on. You can scroll around and it has a lot of different overlays. It has topographic overlays showing you the different depths. Um, you can do a full satellite, but I, I keep it on. There's a, there's a color, I forget what it's called. Um, it, it's a, I'm scrolling to look real quick. Um, I forget how to get to it. Um, but it gives me this color gradient across the map. Um, and then it has like topographic, um, overlay. So I'll, I'll hold my phone up for those of y'all watching, but you can kind of see the structure on the bottom, um, mm -hmm. through the overlay on the map, which is something you can do on the Navionics chip as well. Uh, on the chip for your GPS too, like year after year, as they update their satellite imagery, you can go on, plug your SD card into the computer, go to their website, and download the new maps onto that card. 
Um, <laughs> you can't just go do it on like a, a any card. You have to have that. You have to pay for the Navionics subscription and have that card. But um, but yeah. So th- there's a lot of tools before you're ever even on the water. And, and a lot of times, like when I'm sitting in the toilet in the morning, like thinking about my day, I pull up my Navionics <laughs> app and I'm like scrolling through it, and thinking about what the which way the wind's blowing, thinking about where I've seen fish, where I've caught fish. Um, and, and it just constantly like looking at this satellite imagery and looking from a bird's eye view down at it as you're thinking about like what happened yesterday, where were the fish doing, where was the bait moving, like all these things will start to pop in your head of like, oh, this area will probably be good. You know, it's got a good shallow edge. You got a deep point for these trout to sit on. The bait was over here and that current's going to be falling in the morning. So a lot of that bait might be getting sucked around this point or into this, mm-hmm. out of this creek mouth. Um, so using those things, I mean, it, some people are don't want to do that. They just want to be the kind of people that are like, all right, I just want to go get in the water, go throw a top water plug, and not think too hard about it. Um, but for myself, like it's a science and it's a job, and it's like I, I I get a lot of satisfaction out of like putting things together that way and doing like my off the water homework as well. Um, which maybe that's the whole reason or some a big part of the whole podcast and everything is just like talking fishing all the time and constantly trying to become better. Um, but is that better? Yeah. <laughs> I just I swung out in front of it for a second. I'm just gonna talk like this from behind it the whole time. Yeah, talk right I'm sorry for everyone that's just listening to this podcast because it's gotta suck. <laughs> um, but golly, I suck at this whole mic thing. Like I said, I'm glad I gave the whole spiel at the beginning of the podcast. Sorry for our, our terrible quality. Um, but. Use those apps. Use you know the chip. What is the chip? It's like three hundred twenty-five bucks, I think. Something like that. No, mine was. Um, <laughs> I hope I got the right one. It was like uh, one fifty, maybe one eighty or something like that's, that. That's probably right. It's been a while since I bought it. Yeah. yeah, it may. It. I feel like I looked at buying it a few years ago, and I was like, oh man, that's kind of expensive. I can't do that. And uh, and then I looked at it again. Like I I probably ordered mine five days ago and um for some reason i thought it may have been cheaper so it doesn't it probably matter, was i was probably wrong it's been a while since i bought one but uh, yeah so i'm i'm excited to be able to use that um for multiple reasons um like we talked about yeah for sure it's uh it's super helpful um but but we'll move into specifically you know trouty areas like cameron talked about it for a little bit personally these fish will hang out in a lot of the similar areas that you catch them in the fall. I mean, the, they hang out in those areas because, uh, you know, certain things. They can be near a good current but have a current break usually, something they can sit in and, and expend less energy. Um, it's a good bait funnel for them. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got good shallow water to deep water access. Those are, like, the three main points that you want for trout. And then, like, salinity level and, and all that can play a factor as well. But, but current, uh, an ability to kind of, like, hold in the current well maybe that's a current break and and fish will oftentimes like hold in a certain area and then slide into the their feeding zone where they're going to spend more energy a little bit but they they can get a lot of feed uh, a lot of feeding in um Mm -hmm. i've got specific areas in mind that i'm thinking about that have been productive lately um but we had a we had a big um a fish just under 25 inches the other day on a DOA shrimp and it was on a heavy current rip off this little tiny knuckle. Like I call a knuckle, like just a small little point that sticks off a bank. Maybe it could be like three feet out, but it's enough to cause like a a little seam or a current break. Mm -hmm. Um, And we caught three fish over 21 inches in a row, bang, 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 like three casts in a row. 
and they were all sitting like two feet into the slack water, like across the seam. And like you, you throw it way back up in the seam and then right as it started to move in that fast water, like right as it was starting to get into it, they'd, they'd eat it. Um, so those fish are just sitting there holding just close enough to the fast water that when that bait comes by, they can slide out and eat it and move back over in mm-hmm. that soft edge. But, but it's funny with trout how like you can be set up on a spot like that. Mm-hmm. And the guy on the front of the boat cannot be catching them, and the guy on the back of the boat can be catching them, and you're both fishing it the right way. It's like getting that exact right swing. So just because you you, you threw two or three, even 15, 20 casts into an area from one exact angle, before you leave a spot, spot, kind of shift around it and hit it from a couple angles. I'm not saying like the opposite direction, but mm-hmm. um, hit it from up high and then drop the boat like equal distance with it, like directly off from it and hit it and then drop below it. Um, changing the way that that bait's traveling through there can really affect um, if you're going to get bit or not. Because these trout, like I said, are yeah. holding in specific areas, um, and, and they might not go for that bait that's five feet away or even three feet away, but when it's two feet mm-hmm. away from them, they're going to swim over and eat it. Um, so I think yeah. that's a really important part. And they're going to spend more energy this time of year, um, kind of like early fall, yeah. um, because the water's warm. They're not trying to survive in the cold, but um, but still putting it on their dinner plate is, is always beneficial. If it's right in front of them, they're probably <laughs> yeah. going to eat it. Um, there's no doubt but yeah finding those 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 feeding areas is important and how long would you say like if you're if you're let's say you're on, along a slough or an edge that's got a couple mm-hmm. points and a couple seams and current breaks and whatnot like as you're working through that zone hitting the multiple spots in there how long do you spend per spot um i'd say i give uh to go kind of back to your point about like where you're casting and how a guy on the back might be catching fish uh, more so than the guy in the front. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think that has to do with like how that bait is sitting in the water, right? So yeah. if the guy on the front is casting way up current, then that bait is going to generally be like a little deeper, yeah. depending on how he's working it. But like if they're both working it the same, right? The guy in the front and the guy in the back, then the, the one that's getting the bait is coming towards the boat or alongside the boat it's generally going to be a little deeper i think and and then the guy that's fishing off the back of the boat maybe he's fishing you know at a 90 degree angle to the bank well once that thing swings it's going to lift up that bait 100%. right and so i try to do like a couple casts up current a couple casts at like a 90 degree angle and then i'll do a couple casts straight off the back of the boat because I've had so many times where the cast off the back of the boat and that bringing that bait up in the water column is like where they want it. Yeah, definitely. You know, so I'd say, you know, three to four casts in each direction takes what, 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, you know, 10 or 15 minutes probably per spot. If it looks really good, then I might, um, I might, stay there for 20 minutes and try a couple different lures maybe um so but i I wouldn't stay in me personally wouldn't stay any longer than 20 minutes if i hadn't gotten a bite yeah yeah that's that's kind of how i am too and i might even be a little quicker than you um a lot of times and that's my downfall sometimes a lot of times that's my downfall is not milking a spot 
Uh, there's been a lot of times trout fishing that I've kind of been all up and down a bank. I'm like, maybe I caught them there five days before, and I'm, I'm like, I know they're here. And you finally stumble into the rhythm, you find the right spot, and you'll catch, you know, 10 or 12 fish. And, mm-hmm. and there are spots in the summer where you find them wadded up really good, and you can catch, catch them good. But more times than not, it's like three or four per spot. You know, maybe five yeah. eight on, on, a, on a good spot. Um, and, and that... You know, some spots, you know, some spots are bigger and can hold more fish, but uh, as they become more aggressive in these warmer months, they want to spread out and have, you know, better opportunity to feed. If they're sitting there with 50 other trout, they're going to have a harder time getting that bait. Uh, yeah. There's safety in numbers. You'll definitely find areas, especially like some of the heavier flow areas or bigger spots that the fish will pile up a little bit better. But, you know, if you fished it, I, I would say I see a lot of people, you know, make this mistake trout fishing. They catch five or ten pretty quick and then they mm-hmm. sit there for an hour and yeah. maybe catch oh, one yeah. more or two more but if they're feeding good there they're feeding good in another spot so you know they're feeding good don't don't sit there and try to milk that spot for another fish try to go mm-hmm. find another spot that has has fish because there's a really good chance they're feeding all over if you're in that window granted some spots are different some spots fish better at like the tail end of a fall or the top of a rise but um if you're on a good feed moving uh after you've kind of picked those first couple aggressive fish out of an area i think is a great way to you know learn more spots as well as catch more fish yeah that's a that's a super good point and something i'm definitely guilty of um being like man i know there's more down there but you got to think you know the first few fish you catch out of that hole or that slough or that bank is like you said probably the most aggressive ones yeah right definitely. and then there may be more down there but they've seen you know three or four fish flailing around in the water yeah causing a bunch of commotion um and they may have moved or they they may have just been fish that were sitting there that don't feel like eating yeah. at that point in time so um i think that's a really good point and something to remember and then the other thing i would say and this might be pretty obvious um but at least for me personally, when I find like a slough or something like that, I think the angle that you approach it can be pretty uh, important as well. For sure. Um, so like I like to go at the very bottom of whichever bank I'm working and go up against the current. Like if you try and go, if you try and angle your boat like with the current, get like flowing with the current. It just like it. It's super hard, <laughs> and your boat ends up going all over the place. For sure. Um, and being able to kind of sneak up to those banks um, slowly and quietly, I think, uh, can can help keep the bite on Definitely. for a little bit longer. You know what have you? Yeah, something that people get sucked into trout fishing as well is like running up to your bank, your spot, and like killing it pretty close and starting to fish. Because I feel yeah. like you can get away with it, you know, in the fall when a lot of people are trout fishing when they're piled up, real schooled up together because um, yeah. they don't want to move but you know this time of year i think you can definitely hurt it uh if, if you're motoring like oh, I, my buddy elias i was talking to him and he's been catching some really big trout in the morning on top water but he's been fishing areas that do get decent amounts of boat traffic and he'll catch them you know he'll he'll be catching these trout pretty good until the first boat runs by and a boat will come running by and the, the bite's done at least of those bigger fish and so mm-hmm. keeping that in mind that those fish are very sensitive and maybe not, not feeding, they're, they're picking their windows. I, th- I think they're, they're pretty stealthy fish and they're kind of picking their mm-hmm. windows to eat, especially the big fish and then hanging, hanging low. Um, another thing too, is like the, the trout will really start to school up with fish their size this time of year. So if you're sitting there hitting a bunch of dinks 
Um, not that you can't pull a good fish out of there, but but try to move, try to find a spot where those fish are, um, you know, maybe a little bit better size class. So I think they get bullied around a little bit right now as these fish are kind of like pre-spawn. And those mm -hmm. smaller fish are getting bullied by the bigger fish, and so they'll kind of spread out uh, and do their thing separately. That's totally a theory that could that could not be true, but that's kind of how I feel that it is. And you'll you'll catch you'll catch those smaller fish and they're kind of scarred up a little bit. I swear those those yeah. other fish are beating up on them, but. Um, but yeah, so as far as spots, you know, traditional fall fishing spots hit all those. Um, but again, you you know, think of that early fall when they're sitting in that ripping current, really trying to feed to put that weight mm -hmm. on for the winter time. Uh, and another thing to think about too is like if you get a big fat fish this time of year, it's probably a female with a lot of eggs in it. Um, and it's really smart to just release, you know, to keep some fish. But I, I would say release as many trout as you can, but definitely release those those fat ones. Um, yeah. those big fat bellies it could be fat males for sure if they're if they're grunting they're usually males or they are males um, if they're making that little croaker noise almost but those big fat fat bellied females man th those are that's the future population of trout so if you catch those um, definitely helps to let them out be, or let them go it'll be more fish for you in the future yeah yeah uh, agreed so let's talk a little bit about the, the baits and the lures that we like mm -hmm. to fish this time of year um, yeah. Again, not much changes, um, but it's still important, I think, to go over some of these key baits for people that are that are wanting. So I'll go first, and I'll let you kind of run after it. Um, one, the red, the red flake DOA shrimp, and, and I, you can definitely fish a lot of colors too this time of year as these fish are more aggressive. But that red flake, I mean, in dirty water and clean water and um, brackish water, super salty water, like that bait just does really, really well. Uh, and the way I fish that bait, 99% of the time is just dead sticking it with some light, light little one inch, two inch like twitches of my rod tip every three to five seconds. Mm -hmm. um, throwing it, you know, slightly up current and, and letting it kind of fall with a couple twitches and, and, you know, and swing behind the boat. I'm never reeling that bait in. I'm just twitch, twitch, and then just reeling that slack out a little bit and just letting it kind of drift in the current. Mm -hmm. The next bait I really like to fish is the swim bait. Pretty much always the uh, Z-Man Diesel Minnow in a variety of colors. Uh, but I would say if I had to pick two, I would do white, uh, all white, you know, like the pearl and then uh, red bone. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, this time of year, I'm really not jigging it. I'm throwing it, letting it sink a little bit and just slow rolling it straight back to the boat. So just swimming that bait cross current back to me. I'll, I'll give it some little twitches every once in a while and not that you can't catch them bouncing it, but I've been doing better this year. And, and typically what I do in, in this time of year is, uh, it's just slow roll it back to the boat. The other is a heavy Dean um, or MR17. And, and these are areas, you know, we're, we're talking about fishing for trout and current. There's a lot of guys that fish um, non-current areas that, that the MR17, the jerk bait, the hard suspending mm -hmm. baits, those are going to be the, the baits to beat this, you know, those are the baits mm -hmm. to throw in those non-current areas, top waters. Um, but the, the 17 or the heavy Dean can be really good in those heavy current areas. Um, and then a top water plug. And don't be afraid to pick that topwater plug up. I pick a topwater plug up at every single spot, no matter what time of day it is, and throw it for five minutes or three minutes. You know, just make a couple casts with it because those big fish a lot of times will come up and eat something off the surface. Even if you've seen nothing get busted, you know, sometimes a big old mullet on the surface is what they want. But uh, that's kind of my go-to. Um, what about you, Cameron? Um, pretty similar. Um, I, you know, it's funny because the Red Flake DOA was something that, I always just kind of thought was a fall bait. Yeah, yeah. And then you. So many people have that theory. Uh, well, I don't know why. I mean, I, I really don't know why. I guess because 
in the summer and brackish water, I, I kind of feel like that bait would disappear. Yeah. Um, but uh, you were like, I was talking to you the other morning before I went, and you were like, man, they were crushing the red flake. And I was like, all right. And so I tied like two of them on, and that was the bait for the day. So yeah. um, pretty a, interesting how that works. It, it is deadly. It is to- extremely deadly. Uh, but other than that, I'd say for top waters, probably Spook Juniors. Yeah, Spook Juniors. Um, I don't think color really matters all that much, um, at least, you know, from my experience. Right. And then one thing, um, one bait that I want to try, because I listened to, I can't remember what it was. It was a, another fishing podcast I listened to. And this guy had fished top waters for like a whole year. And it was like everything that he had learned from these top waters, and one that he said worked super well on trout in the early spring was a small prop bait. Or yeah, a small yeah, yeah. I remember you were telling me this today. Yeah, um, so I'd be curious to try that out. People will probably think I'm crazy. Man, I um, think I, I like the theory behind that all. Um, so tell that was the, that was uh, the the recent Salt Strong podcast, right? Uh, I think it was Salt Strong. Salt Strong. Yeah, um, I don't know how recent it was, but might have been yeah. older. Uh, what kind of prop bait was it? It was fishing because I know you and I talked about this because I was like, man, I've I've caught the trout on a whopper plopper, but uh-huh. the, the small redfish being like you know not bull redfish, I've had really run away from a from a whopper plopper, but I've caught the bull redfish yeah. really good in a whopper plopper, and you're like, oh no no, he wasn't fishing a whopper plopper. You, you said just a traditional type of prop, traditional prop, prop bait. Yeah, I actually, I actually think it was wood. Oh nice. Um, and it was small. I don't, I don't know exactly, but, but it looked about the same size as like a spook junior. Okay, see. Um, and they're, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're just bass lures, and a lot of them come with two props on them, one on the front and one on the back, or two on the back and one on the front. And he said the one that worked for him the best was just the one prop on the back, uh, a small metal prop. And I think you can work in multiple different ways. You can rip it across just like with jerks of your rod tip, or you can just consistently reel it in. But yeah. um, I'm not really sure. I've never <laughs> fished one. <laughs> but uh, I, he, he said that he thought that the sound of that, um, that topwater – was the closest that anything came to like the sound of bait fleeing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I think it's worth a try, but, um, other than that, I would say, uh, definitely paddle tails, um, for the most part. Uh, and then, and then like a, I'm a big fan of popping cork with the voodoo shrimp, man. <laughs> it is hard to beat the popping cork and voodoo shrimp. But the only problem I have with the popping cork is just like the depth deal because it's at a set depth, right? And anytime you want to adjust it, you either got to shorten your line or tie longer line on. And it's not super easy to cast for people that haven't casted a bunch. Yeah, it's um, like a, it's kind of like a, I thought I was you know, bring it back, let it settle, and then all four momentum. Because if you try to like whip it, it it's just like a big yeah. somersaulting. <laughs> mask going through the air yeah yeah um but i do love that bait for trout and redfish honestly in the summer um and then i think another important thing um and, and i don't know how important this is or or 
if it's going to deter fish from biting your lure, but I think a lot of times matching the size of the finger mullet and whatnot that you mm-hmm. see can be important because that's what they're used to seeing. That's what they're feeding on for the most part this time of year. I mean, I think shrimp have just kind of started showing up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the early spring to late spring, those, those mullet are pretty small. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know, two and a half inches, three inches or something yeah. like that. Annoying um, to catch in a cast net. <laughs> and, yeah, get their gills caught in the cast oh, yeah. net holes. Oh, that's a nightmare. Um, but yeah, and then, you, you know, as it gets warmer, they obviously get bigger. <coughs> but, you know, like I said, I, I think if it's presented to them um, in a manner that is, you know, in the right spot and in the right current and so on and so forth, they're probably still going to eat it. But anything that betters your chances, right, is always something to try. So I, I'll usually tie on like two different sizes of paddle tails. Uh, a DOA, whether that be red flake or like white or chartreuse, um, and then a popping cork and then a top water. Yeah, kind of my kind of like dead piece. Yeah, that the popping cork, like a lot of times when, when those fish want to eat like a suspended soft bait, where like a DOA is doing mm-hmm. really well, you got somebody yeah. that can't fish that DOA super well. That's like having trouble keeping that line tight enough, but you know not too tight. Um, you know, throwing a, a shrimp on a cork like that, like a soft plastic shrimp, helps make that bait ride midwater column. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they want it riding like perfectly parallel, like you can't do it with a cork unless it was like a center rig soft plastic shrimp, which there are some out there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is a good it is a good way to get that similar presentation um, with a simpler yeah. um, deal. And that. I don't think it's, well, it might be kind of important for trout. I think they have pretty dang good smell. But the voodoo, I mean, they're, they are a little expensive, which kind of sucks. But they, and they last a decent Yeah, you, get a, lot of, you can get a lot of fish out of them. Um, but the voodoo on the, on the belly of the shrimp has like a perfect little like uh, dugout area. You can squirt some oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shrimp goop in. Uh, a, a, goop, Make it a, a goop slot? do the little jelly donut action <laughs> that's awesome um dude speaking about props and how effective they can be on it on you know pulling fish and you think about spinner baits and buzz baits and all different types of props and the noise that you get off of them um we started experimenting with putting props uh on flies and in front of flies on on our leader in louisiana for fishing dirtier water um mm-hmm. And it was mind blowing. Like you'd make a bad cast on a redfish and strip mm-hmm. it. It might be behind the fish and they would, you know, didn't see it at all with 360 on it or not 360 because that attention. would be a full turnaround, but 90 degree turn and just yep. key right in on it, come smoke it. Uh, so, yep. so even subsurface props uh, can be really, really effective. And there's a, there's actually some jig head companies out there now that are making prop jig heads. I don't know if you've seen those um, that are pretty cool. And, uh, there's also this bait that I've got. I bought one of them. It's like a Japanese bait that they're made. Um, like Berkeley makes some now and everything. The one I bought was like 28 bucks, but uh, <laughs> it's called a spy bait, and so it's like a subsurface bait. It looks almost like a little jerk bait, uh-huh. uh, but there's no lip on it, and it's like a slow sinking. There's different ones. I think there's, or I guess they're all slow sinking, kind of like a mirror lure, but it has a prop on either end. 
and so you can kind of swim it straight in or twitch twitch like a mirror lure um, yeah. but it's double propped they're called spy baits and I've talked to some guys that have absolutely crushed the trout on them um, and I think that's a would be a really good bait to fish this time of year I've got one in my box I might actually try it tomorrow a little bit now that I'm talking about it because I keep meaning to it's yeah. so easy to just keep the dang DOA on, like when when they're biting the DOA good. Oh man, it's so easy. But you got to think too. It's like sometimes big fish get get pissed off at certain baits, and and, and playing around yeah. with those baits if you're on a good bite can be definitely effective. Um, I'd say to to go back to like our point of how long to stay in, in an area. Like if they're eating just the DOA, and or that's just all you've been throwing, and that's what they're they've been eating, and then yeah. the bite kind of shuts off. It's. I think I always throw like at least a couple casts with a paddle tail or a popping cord, definitely. What have you, just to make sure it's like, you know, they didn't just get used to seeing that one bait come by and by and by. Right, and, by. and it pays yeah. off to do what you're talking about sometimes. Sometimes, a lot of yeah. times, honestly. Yeah. Maybe it gets you one more fish or two more fish. I don't yeah. know if I've ever had it like fully trigger like a new bite. No, I haven't either, but it can definitely get you a couple more. But I have, like, gone in there and thrown, like, a mirror lure or, like, a hemidine yeah. and caught two or three, and then I put a DOA shrimp on it, and I catch, like, 15 of them out of there. <laughs> yeah. So I've, if the DOA shrimp is your cleanup, then it, you will maybe catch more or start a new bite. But yeah. if you start with the DOA, a lot of times, uh, you know, you might not be able to clean much up afterwards. They kind of sweep the floor pretty good. Um, like I said, one of these days, DOA is just going to send me a check in the mail, I think. <laughs> um, you and Ben Chesney. Me and Ben Chesney. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's a great bait, and I will buy them as long as they are made. But I'm trying to think. Um, is there anything else that we can that we can talk about? There's a lot kind of, we can talk about. but I think it might be good to cover, like how it transitions from early summer into late summer yeah because i I struggle in late summer and it's mainly i think i feel like due to just not getting out there early enough yeah um and i I just think that the time of day ends up being pretty important as the water heats up um that if, if you're not out out there like super early it can get kind of tough to catch trout like midsummer yeah for sure i think they feed really really good on those when that water temperature is around what it's at right now like 68 to 73 Um, Mm -hmm. and and again yeah a lot of times though they'll eat a big meal like early in the morning like going and throwing a big swim bait or a big top water plug um in those areas you, you can you can get those fish to eat in the summertime but again I've had days where I've caught them good, like heat of the summer, you know, that, you know, they get a little feed on in a certain area. But, but yeah, I think starting early um, and picking your, your times of the tide to fish is mm-hmm. important. And the, that's the cool thing about trout and redfish, at least the way I like to fish for redfish and how I fish for trout is they're at separate tides. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the low end of the, fall and the early end of the rise is when i'm red fishing usually and, and there's definitely some areas that trout fish really well during mm-hmm. that time frame but that that mid tide honestly like the tail end of a fall and mid incoming are my two favorite times to trout fish right now mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. last little bit of falling water um and then you know mid falling can be really good and then there's other areas that completely break that rule but as a rule as a rule of thumb that's kind of 
the thing. But I'm with you, man. It's like you got to get your butt up out of bed and go to that top water in the morning early in the summertime sometimes to get those fish. But you'll yeah. catch some big ones. Yeah. We have more do. trout, you know, summer here than a lot of people think we do. Mm-hmm. People just stop fishing for them. There's just like this this weird theory that we don't have them this time of year, at least not in targetable numbers, but that's not true at all. I think, I think too, a lot of people feel like um, summer is like red fishing time. Right. Which is kind of funny to me because to, to for me, like summer might be my least – I mean, I love catch. Don't get me wrong. I love catching redfish on top water, and I like fishing for singles as well, for sight fishing singles. Yeah. But man, it can humble you in the summer. It can, dude. Pretty good. Like you're like, man, conditions are perfect. Water's clear. This bank looks great, and you're like, where are the redfish? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're all sitting in like 25 feet of water on some structure, <laughs> yeah. just going to town on whatever they want to down there, but. Yep. No, I'm with you, man. It's it's uh, this, that's what makes this transition time so hard. We're coming out of winter, where like you're usually catching 20 fish in a day. To like, all right, mindset change. It is yeah. cool to catch those singles belly crawling down the bank, but God, where is one belly crawling down the bank? Yeah, man, it gets tough. But then I feel like it comes in waves, and you you know this more than I do. But like, you'll get like a week or so where the red fishing is like they're doing doing everything that you want them to do. Right. And then the next week, you're like, where the hell did they go? <laughs> it, that is, uh, that, that's a very true statement there. Um, I uh, I can get very frustrated this time of year. I had a frustrating day today. We caught the redfish really good this morning. Um, and I had my father-in-law on the boat this afternoon with his uncle, who's his 90th birthday. So we had put, put this on the calendar a while back to get him out and to catch some redfish and this is like guide truth moments like laying it all out there like i don't always catch fish so we caught them really good this morning on a couple of areas and they were whacking the jig like every cast we we're just blind casting jigs and slow rolling back to the boat and we like weren't setting the hook and we, we you know we'd get three or four bites in a spot and be like all right we're gonna leave this alone we'll roll out like we'd hook a fish and then we just kind of shake a couple other ones off and, and be like all right there's multiple redfish there because mm-hmm. um, i wanted to save it for for my afternoon with my father-in-law and we i, I cast net a bunch of pogies got some fresh shrimp from seaview crab company and i was like oh we're gonna go smack them and <laughs> fish for three hours with them and didn't get a dang redfish bite the whole time um and that's when it's like uh, that's my downfall sometimes of like if i get so hard-headed and granted you know we didn't have the ability to do a bunch of moving we just kind of I, I wanted it to be an easy boat ride an easy time for um for Augie who was the older guy that was with us um but I should have just as soon as I spent an hour on that stuff and it wasn't working I should have just you know rerouted and done something different but I just mm. I, I kind of was like you know died by what I thought was going to work and we caught some freaking massive croakers but um we, we did catch something. catch speckled trout um but that was it it was very slow <laughs> And I had a slow day yesterday too, man. I had a, I had a tough trip. The day before was really, really good. Caught a ton of trout. Yeah. But tomorrow yeah. I'm going to trout fish a little bit on my own in the morning, and then I got a fly trip for redfish. So hopefully tomorrow my spirits will be higher. I spent a lot of money on a new motor today, so I need something to, <laughs> to brighten my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, this, this time of year is tough, man. I still, I still um, don't feel like I've – I don't know if there is any, like, figuring it out. Like, 
like you somewhat can in like winter and spring and fall um just because i feel like those fish will are just on the move figuring out where they want to hang out um sure. and start to get like i don't know maybe they get like a water temperature sensitive already but although i don't really feel like it's gotten hot enough for that. no i don't think they do man i've seen them bust and bait and i've seen them bust and bait in 90 degree water in the summertime oh yeah no, i know you're right so like some of those but quick changes are... quick changes can can do it yeah yeah but no you're right i've been pulling in a little creek that on my gps was reading like 90 something degrees and it was loaded with redfish and you're like Okay, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you put your hand <laughs> in the water and it's like slimy and so warm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready for those days quite yet. Mm. Where you're, where the, it's so calm in the morning and your glasses are like fogging over, you have to like constantly move them down and put them. You know, I'm gonna yeah. invent some sunglasses one day that have little oh gosh fans on them. Yeah, they have little fans that keep them <laughs> keep them clear yeah, or just little windshield wipers. <laughs> That'll be pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll wrap it up with that, man. That was that was some good stuff. I really I'm glad we got into the the Navionic stuff and the satellite imagery because that is a huge part of you know how you and I do a lot of scouting before we've ever been on the water. Um, and if you have any questions about any of that, definitely hit us up on Instagram or um, you can leave a comment on the YouTube video. Um, yeah. But yeah, and and again, we've had some slammed the past two weeks, but we're gonna get that Patreon content pumping again here shortly. That's um, been busy, busy, just trying to get stuff ready for the summer guide season. A lot of doubles and not much free time. So, and I, we, I guess I was up in Weldon too um, for a couple weeks guiding up there, and wasn't able to record it there. I pre-recorded while we were up there, but uh, we're getting back into a good schedule. We got some good uh, guests lined up for some of the upcoming episodes. Um, and that will be, uh, I got one guest I'm really, really excited about who's got a big TV show that hopefully a bunch of y'all, if you don't already watch it, you will be watching it. But, um, but yeah, thanks for hopping on here, Cameron. And, uh, no worries, man. guys go out there and try to catch some trout, uh, fish those areas that, you know, you've caught trout in and then expand on that. And, uh, we will see y'all in the next episode later.